Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and as always, I'm here with my friend, Michael Whifford. I am a cheetah. (laughs) So, if that's any indication here, we're talking Sandman Episode 4, A Hope in Hell. Before we get into talking about that, I'm going to give out the usual reminders here. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can do so over on Instagram, at Fantasy Rewind Pod, on Twitter, at Fantasy Rewind, or if you want to send us an email, that's really cool too. That is FantasyRewindPod at gmail.com. So, without farther ado, Mike, what were your overall impressions of Sandman Episode 4, A Hope in Hell? It was great. I love the different setting change and the detail put in there. Visually, again, always stunning. Um, I I think, I know there was some controversy earlier on with the casting of Lucifer, uh, with the casting of... Gwendolyn Christie? Yeah. Morningstar. Uh, I was just trying to go with all the names that uh, they were called by. But I know there was some controversy early on about it, but I think she slayed it i really liked her performance it was like kind of almost like sickly sweet a little bit you know like she seemed like such a nice person but like there was this this like fake niceness about it yeah there was this definite edge to her and i was like that's this is really good this is really good because I think something that is forgotten and isn't really given enough attention, which I think the show did really well, uh, and I know I'm sitting on this part here, but it it, it was the main focus here in this episode, but um, was that, you know, Lucifer was an angel. And so I think that's such a crucial part of who that character is. Uh, So they really played that up, and I thought that was good. But uh, what about you, Dylan? What were your thoughts about episode four, A Hope in Hell? So overall, I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. The game especially. We'll talk about that when we get there. Love the game. But that part was awesome. Loved it. Um, Again, visually stunning. I thought it was really cool. Just like the different, seeing the different settings, seeing hell, and like a different take on hell. It wasn't this giant fiery inferno. You see, like, the damned yeah. carrying their own fire to hell, the suicide forest of trees and everything. Um, you heard Matthew talk about how it was cold in hell, so when hell freezes over, might not necessarily be the most, like, <laughs> random occurrence or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, all in all, I thought it was a great episode, really enjoyed mm-hmm. it, and I especially, I think I'm learning that, like, whenever Dream has his helm that there's going to be awesome visuals of him, like, just, like, looking like a badass and loving it. So, yeah, I think (laughs) that all in all, episode four, Hope in Hell, was great. So, now that we've talked about that, yeah, let's head on in there. Let's give the walkthrough, and then we'll uh, we'll dive in with a little bit. Um, Before we do that, though, I do want to just comment really quick on the Gwendolyn Christie casting for Lucifer. I thought, all in all, like you said, she did really great. I loved, like, her sickly sweet demeanor, like you said there. But, and this might be a little nitpick, but I feel like they should have cast somebody more beautiful to play Lucifer. While Gwendolyn Christie is imposing and a great actress, I really liked her as Brienne of Tarth in The Game of Thrones, I feel like when you're talking about somebody who was the most beautiful angel, you 
probably could have cast somebody a little bit more attractive. I'm sorry, Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, But Dylan. yeah, that's just a little nitpick. <sighs> yeah, okay. I'll let it slide. Um, if you would like to get at him, just don't tag me in that stuff. Or I guess you have to tag us. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we open up to Matthew and Dream appearing in hell. <laughs> It's desolate. There's a volcano type thing in the background. Kind of gives you Mordor vibes, but just like a little bit. Like yeah. said earlier, no heat. It's just it's a cold volcano, an empty wasteland. Now I thought it was really cool. Like um, I figured we it might be better because th- there's two really prominent storylines here. And Dylan, you brought this up uh, when we were talking pre before the show. We have the hell setting where it's following Dream and Matthew in their quest to get the helm back and then you have uh richard burgess jonathan burgess sorry jonathan burgess oh my gosh uh jonathan burgess is quest to get his get the ruby back and riding with sweet uh rosemary there and so i feel like it might almost be best to just let's focus on the hell setting and then we'll get over to jonathan how's that sounds good let's do it all right so at, once we get this whole huge view of um, hell, we get Sandman. He's going up to the gate. Matthew's like, why don't we just sneak in? He's like, oh, we don't just sneak in. And this is really important because you're starting to real, you're starting to understand that each of these entities have their own domains and they're kind of their own rulers. And you don't just barge into or sneak into other people's domains. There's rules. And so you have the domain of hell, and this is this is a really important thing that will come back later. I don't know if this season or next season, but it will come back. And then you have these other domains, like the dream domain. You have obviously probably desire, and all the other endless have their own domains, and so it makes you wonder what other domains there may be, and we may explore some of that later on in the series, hopefully. So real quick, I want to jump in here because. This was something I found interesting because we have Dream, who's one of the Endless, but obviously Lucifer is not one of the Endless. However, Mm -hmm. she was still in charge of her own domain. So I'm kind of, it makes me kind of curious as to like, is there an Endless that's like in charge of her section? Is she like separate from that? Is she like on her own like pantheon of like immortals or is that something that will be answered later on? So... That's kind of, uh, we're, we'd be getting into really some deep stuff here, but there is, like, all pantheons have their own gods and gods goddesses. Like, we'll see uh, Osiris or Thor or Odin later on, and they have their own domains. But kind of the main ones that, uh, the really powerful ones, and I think this is really based, like, this is kind of where I think Neil Gaiman was teasing this idea or touching on this idea that he later really uh built up in american gods the belief how many people believe in something makes it powerful so for instance everyone like most everyone believes in hell or knows what hell is so that's a very powerful you know Mm. area but you still have other gods of death they just don't necessarily they don't have that you know what i mean Mm. Um, and I hope they really get into that later on, but there's a big event that has to happen and I don't want to spoil that for (laughs) anyone or you, um, because I feel like if it does happen, it'll be probably season two. Okay. It would be a very big plot point. Okay. Uh, 
Let's keep going here. So he gets up to the state. I thought, or gate. I thought it was so cool, like the gate all stone, but it was actually like people's bodies. Right, like, yeah. Uh, uh, thought that was really neat. And then the demon that came up, I uh, forget what he said the name was, but Buttlebutt or something <laughs> funny like that. Uh, I did like there was a little rhyme there because it was a nice callback to the demon that um, got the gate for him in the comics, which was Etrigan, or Etrigan, which is uh, the demon who's cursed to rhyme, and he's from the DC Comics universe. I might have said his name wrong. So yeah, so it was Squatter Bloat, who was the, the guy that came in here. And what's funny about it is you see in the comics where Squatter Bloat is actually the demon that answers the gate for Dream, but Etrigan oh, okay. is there, and he's like, hey, I'm taking over, you know, I'll do this. Because, yeah, the rhyme that squatter blow actually says is straight out of the comics here mm. it's there's one at the door at the gate of damnation is it thief thug or whore there's one at the door and there's always room for one more till the end of creation and so yeah. it's it's really kind of menacing where it's like mm-hmm. oh there's somebody there there's always room you can come in no matter who you are we'll accept you here in hell yeah. but yes <laughs> And, yeah, and I think menacing, and he really did not respect Dream at all. No, complete disrespect. And that, which shows kind of with the the demon subgroup, like, they just, they don't really, they're not subservient to these people at all, unless it helps them. Uh, <laughs> but then we continue on. So he lets him in after he, after, uh, after Dream sort of explains, like, hey, like, this is rules. You gotta, I'm a guest, like, you gotta get, let me in. And so him, Matthew, are following the demon through hell. The demon's taking them through some, uh, not the straightest path. And there is purpose for that, right? As mm-hmm. we see later on as as they're walking through the different areas. Like you had said, he takes them through the forest there and it almost like leaves them behind. And that's where we kind of get Dream talking about how the morning Lucifer Morningstar's power is so much greater than his own. Which I thought was really interesting. Right, and especially for him to admit that where Mm -hmm. a potential minion of Lucifer could hear him. You know, it's like admitting his own weakness and his own vulnerability at that point. Yeah, it is. Uh, And then we have the demon continuing to escort him, and he takes them past an old lover. And this is, Dylan, this is actually a really important thing that we'll come back to in the series. Uh, This woman here that he condemned to hell i was wondering if we'd learn more about this <laughs> oh we will we will it's <laughs> like when and... i first saw this like it just made me think about like how vengeful dream is like how he's mm-hmm. after ten thousand years he's not willing to forgive whatever this person did whatever nada this woman here whatever did. slight yeah 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 that's i that is really the purpose there is to show how dream is like i've said before he's he's not forgiving and he's very uh duty forward and like very like he tries to make things very black and white and they aren't always that way and we're starting to see him change a little bit in like some of his interactions like we've talked about but there's still obviously a lot of them that is not there yet so and we can keep going and then we get to this really awesome scene where we get to see the just the like the castle or Mm -hmm. the fortress and it was immaculate uh, really well done we get in there and there was some talks he starts talking with lucifer there we 
uh, we get to see Gwendolyn Christie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get to see Gwendolyn Christie, and I thought she looked awesome. I know you have uh, some slight slight issue with that. Well, like but... I said, she looked good. She looked really... I mm-hmm. uh, liked her acting and everything like that, but I'm just thinking, like, when you have somebody who is meant to be, like, the great deceiver, like, the most beautiful angel of all time whose, like, beauty rivaled that of the creator, you know, you're gonna have somebody who probably is a little bit more physically pleasing. Um, (laughs) and, um, we get hit her lieutenant. Did you happen to catch her name? Oh, yeah, that's, that's Maze. That's, um, I forget, like, her full name, but it's, uh, yeah. I just remember that she's, from the Lucifer series that I watched. Yeah, she's slightly important, yeah. Uh, and she, like, uh, I wish, I've never read... Mazakim. There, uh, Azakim, there. Mazakim. I've never read some of the other, like, dive-off series from Sandman, so there was, like, Death, and I think there might have been one on Lucifer as well uh, that would have been interesting to read. I did not, though. But we get to her summoning all the hordes of demon because oh i can't find your helmet and you get some really interesting interaction here because you get the sense that like lucifer has asked dream to partner with her before right to fight something and you probably get an idea of what she was trying to fight i mean if you know probably the creator (laughs) um and uh dream's just like yeah no still not interested in that and obviously She's not very happy about that, and it's not very helpful in his search for the helm, but he does end up finding it in the possession of a demon, a duke, and so there is a challenge. He can't just get it back. So real quick. And, yes. Um, so I thought it was really interesting how, after watching this part here, Lucifer is undoubtedly, you know, the most famous ruler of hell, uh, the devil, obviously. However, there are other names for the devil in other parts of the world, other than just Lucifer. And in the comics, what's interesting about it is there are actually three rulers in hell. So there was Lucifer, there's Beelzebub, and then there's Azazel as well. And so I'm wondering, you know, like, what is going to be going on later on? Maybe there'll be some discourse or discord over in hell that might lead Lucifer to come back to dream on a different term. But um, so anyways, uh, yeah, we have the demon lord of Corinzone who has the helm from Dream. And what I thought was interesting about this as well um, was just how in the comics we have this demon guy taking on Dream himself as opposed Mm -hmm. to in the show here where we have the foreshadowed battle between Lucifer and Dream take place where Dream had admitted he was weaker than Lucifer and now he actually has to go up against her. And so I thought that was a little bit of a nice foreshadow early on. I think this was a really good switch on their part, especially because what Matthew said afterwards and how, hey, you just went in her house and humiliated her. And later in the comics, that is something that comes up. And I didn't feel like reading the comics, I didn't feel like it was as justified as watching the show and seeing this happen now i feel it's justified so again i like i told dylan this before uh we were recording i feel like neil gaiman because he was involved with the show quite a bit i feel like he's done some changes or maybe some changes were made and where after like thinking and marinating on the series like this might have been a better way to do this 
and I think this might have been one of them, just because of what happens later on, like I said. Anyway, they do the duel for the helm, and I always loved this part reading this. Um, I thought this game was so interesting. Yeah. And it, it really, if you didn't see it or don't didn't quite understand, it's really them taking terms, naming what they are, and they're trying to get their opponent to not be able to come up with anything that could beat them. Right, it's kind of like a, I'm a mountain. Well, I'm an earthquake that shatters the mountain apart. Oh, well, I'm a bridge that spans the gap of it. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, like, one-up each other, kind of maneuvering almost like a verbal, um, imaginative chess match. Like slam poetry. Yeah, yeah. Like a slam, yeah, yeah. It was really well done, I thought, too. Me, too. I love that part. Um, I like that it was showing kind of, like, the things that they said, like, had effects on each other. And that's a big improvement that I saw from the show, uh, to the show from the comics, where mm-hmm. in the comics, it was just a verbal battle, and you didn't really quite yeah. get the stakes. I mean, it was still a cool part in there, because you had the illustrations of everything happening. But over here on the show, when you saw, like, the physical uh, nature of what, each other said they were impacting the other person like with lucifer getting the bird scratch marks across her face with Mm -hmm. you know dream getting the bacteria infecting him and killing him basically and yeah it all was it was always great yeah it was all really cool yep and uh i think i think that was i agree something that was that kind of needed to be added in Mm -hmm. to really push home that this those stakes were higher than um, just calling out names. Yes. You know, he ends up winning and the Duke didn't want to give up the helm, obviously. And there were some consequences for that. Right. AKA the Duke lost his life. I was going to say that part was interesting to me because Lucifer, who is the ruler of hell, tells him to do something. He's like, nah, I'm not doing that. And she's like, well, yes, you are. And now you're dead. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, again, demons. Yeah. Yeah. What you going to do? <laughs> So this does, as I said, sets up Lucifer kind of hating Dream or resenting him at least. Uh, And it's done very tastefully. It also shows, uh, like, we kind of get the hint of what Lucifer would want. She wants Dream to assist her or help her, at least at this time. time. So now, if you're done, if you're good with that, we can jump over to... um, our other story here with yeah, Richard or John. Yeah, Jonathan. let's jump over to Jonathan Burgess and talk about yeah. his story there. So, like Mike said, uh, these are very like different stories that are taking place here. And one of the things that I mentioned before here is this episode is a merger of two different comics. There's the comic of A Hope in Hell, which obviously this title is used for the name of the episode as well, but it's also the name of the next issue in the comic, which is Passengers which focuses solely on Jonathan Burgess and his ride with Rosemary and all of that entails. And so it's kind of fitting that we're kind of splitting these up, talking about them and the order actually in which they occur in the comics as well. So let's get into this passenger side of things. And like you said, it, it was a merger of two comics and it's really a merger of these two stories because at the end they do come to yes. a head. So uh, while Dreams in Hell doing his thing, uh, we pick back up with Jonathan Burgess and he is like in Buffalo, New York. Shout out to Western and New York. And he's just like, where am I? <laughs> yes. Shout out to, uh, Western New York, beef on whack, chicken wings. Um, <laughs> but 
he's like, where am I? It falls in the road, almost gets hit, which I don't know how that yeah. worked with his amulet. I'm glad something. <laughs> yeah. But we have a very nice um, woman stop and offer to give him a ride after he's like, I don't know where I am. Like, I, I knew I need to go here. And she's like, oh, that's on my way home. I'm going here. And like, so nice, so mm-hmm. helpful. Ugh. Um, <laughs> anyway, so John gets in the car with her. And I think this has really been a theme with John. And I want to just restate this because I did talk about it last episode is at the beginning, he seems normal. You're like, there's nothing really wrong with him. Yeah. And then it slowly, <laughs> like, just goes downhill. And it's the same with episode five, too, except that one. Yeah, we'll get we'll to it We'll talk about time. that next, yeah. <laughs> um, but he gets in the car. They're talking, like, they're kind of connecting, like, talking about how they hate lies. And mm-hmm. you really know John hates lies a lot. Uh, and it becomes very clear that, that's something that he really hates as we go for- forward here. But they're connecting. There's not really, I don't feel like there's too much to say outside until he, like, until he mentions that. Well, hold on. There is something actually that I think is important worth mentioning is that Rosemary tells John that she feels like the worst thing you can do to another person is lie to them. And mm. then she proceeds to lie to him. <laughs> so Yeah, and he can tell when people tell, are lying. Yes. And, yeah. And unfortunately, like she says, like, sometimes people lie because they're scared. And I think that does make him think about her a little bit. And I thought that was really good. Uh, Because this is after he happens to let slip that, oh, yeah, by the way, um, you know, I was, I've been, I've been kind of away for a while. Oh, where you been? Oh, I've been locked up in this this psychiatric ward for 30 years. Oh, 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 for what? Oh, you know, I was just doing some really delinquent stuff, murdering people, arson, stealing, like all over this jewel that I have. And she's like, You've oh murdered my people? gosh, <laughs> who did I lock into the, who am I driving right now? Right, exactly. Am I going to survive this? I have two kids. I have this beautiful dog here. Um, <laughs> and uh, obviously things turn really bad there. She fakes, she lies about having to get gas. So she can go in the gas station. He's like, oh, he knows something's up. He's like, I'm going to go in with you. Right. He goes in with her. She tells the attendant, like, hey, this guy, he's kind of crazy. He's murdered people. Uh, Call 911. He calls 911. Jonathan obviously doesn't like any of this. Tells him her they have to leave. The attendant pulls out a gun. He's like, oh, you don't want to pull that at me. And so what happens? He loops all over the place. <laughs> he loops all pull. over the place. <laughs> yeah, he blows up. <laughs> Uh, and obviously Rosemary at this point is just like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She knows. Uh, She's like, I'm not surviving yeah. this. Correct. And she does finish driving him to where um, where he needs to go. And at the end, this was a very different ending than the comic, right. unfortunately. Uh, I think, Which I was happy about. Yes. Fortunately. Um, in the comic, uh, Rosemary does not go home and i don't believe Susie was in the car nope so rosemary was by herself in the car and Mm -hmm. jonathan at the end when she he gets to where he was going for the ruby he's like would you have done this oh it doesn't really matter anyway it's gonna end the same way bang and kills her with a gun that he had and uh so unfortunately for comic rosemary she did not make it home to her daughters thankfully for show rosemary it ends a little bit differently yeah, he gives her the 
the jewel the so that she's protected yes. the amulet of protection which i thought was a great way to do that because in the comics he didn't have it so it was a really nice foil to do that and makes a lot of sense because he got there she didn't leave he went inside dream had just gotten there it found the ruby he was about to take it but it'd been altered by jonathan what and he goes to grab it and it shoots him back him and matthew back into unconsciousness and so uh jonathan walks right in grabs it and he's like i don't need this amulet of protection anymore i got my jewel right he's like i prioritize this ruby it's my own my precious <laughs> and yes. gives uh the amulet of protection to rosemary and it's like, here, you don't need to be afraid anymore. You don't need to lie anymore. Thank you for the ride. And gives her the amulet for protection, which was which was great. I mean, honestly, it shows that, to me, while Jonathan is completely unstable, while he is, you know, a murderer and everything bad that you can call him, he is still, he does still have some shred of humanity within him. And yes. the madness is not always in complete control of him unlike his comic Correct. counterpart yes and uh we get to see the really the counter comic counterpart come out to play in episode five which we will be getting to and i'm really excited to talk about that one quite a bit uh overall just want to restate that i really enjoyed this episode didn't really um the parts with jonathan rosemary some of that i was just like okay like let's go but besides that, I mean, it was great. The whole hell scene was fantastic. And this really set it up nicely for the next episode in episode five, which is our, I w would almost say it's like a... It's almost like a mid-season finale. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say, mid-season finale, really. And then when you when you get to episode six, like some of us, <laughs> uh, who, who almost missed recording because they were watching it, um, it's very much like that exhale after all of that and resetting and i'm excited to see where they go for the rest of the season it's really surprising because they could have stretched this out this book out into one season and i'm glad they didn't like you said like i feel like the pace has been really good yeah i mean honestly no complaints as far as the pacing goes i feel like this is like a master class in how to do a good adaptation where you don't have to be 100% faithful to the books that you're basing your work upon, but you have to be faithful enough that you can recognize where you're going. You can still see the series you enjoyed from the book mm -hmm. onto the screen here. And, like, this is something we've gotten after other series for not doing. But mm -hmm. so far, like, Sandman has been a breath of fresh air after some disappointing things, a.k.a., you know... Shows we yeah, might we have been named about, about but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's I was gonna just say, end on the note that John wants to save the world. Well, what I was going to say here is that I thought that all in all, this episode was great. I definitely enjoyed it. The naming sequence there, the naming battle really put it high up in contention for me for favorite episodes so far. However, up to this point, I still want to say that episode three was my favorite of the first four. Um, we'll see what episode five does when we get to discussing about that. But all in all, like this is still definitely enjoyable. I hope you guys are all enjoying it as much as Mike and I are. And we just hope that, you know, the series is as popular as it can be to try to encourage even more great seasons and 
lots of budget for this show to continue doing what it is doing. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right. So with that said, Mike, you got anything else to talk about for this episode or you get? No. All right. Well, have a good one, guys. And this is Two Nerds signing off. See ya. Bye. I am...